0: You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful.
1: Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come.
0: Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Hi everyone, this is Greg Alexander, the host of the ProServe podcast, brought to you by Collective 54, the first community dedicated to the unique needs of thriving boutique professional services firms. On this episode, we have a very interesting topic. Today, we're gonna talk about the problem of having too much cash. (laughs) Most of us have the other problem, which is not having enough cash. But today, we've got an interesting story to tell you. And I'm joined by a very well-liked, long-tenured, well-respected member, Nate Kieveman. Uh, Nate, it's good to see you. Please introduce yourself to the audience.
1: Thanks, Greg, great to be here, guys. Uh, my name is Nathan Keeveman. Nate Kievman is what my friends call me, so please call me Nate. Uh, I'm the CEO of a company called the Link Strategies Group, and uh, we are a 12 year uh, firm that has been uh, in the marketing and consulting space uh, in helping organizations grow, uh, helping them schedule meetings and connect with their executives or their, uh, their most ideal markets. And, and in doing so, we've been obviously able to grow our own company. And uh, it's been a fun journey over the past twelve years, sending over eighty-six million emails, setting up 100, over a hundred thousand meetings for executives over the years, uh, working with big firms like BlackRock and NASDAQ for the world down to single-person pro serve company. So we're great. We're grateful to be here, and thanks for inviting me, Craig.
0: All right, fantastic. So Nate, I asked you to come on the show after you and I had a very interesting conversation, and I, I would like you to tell the story yeah. of the problem that you had by having too much cash?
1: For sure, so uh, never expected this whole story and experience to happen in my, my whole life. But uh, uh, after the fact, Greg and I had some some <laughs> fun, fun, fun conversations and some lessons to learn from it. But uh, that now you all get a benefit from my pain. So <laughs> uh, basically, uh, towards the end of uh, 2022, our firm was looking for ways to raise capital because, you know, in short, we had gone down a path as a as a services firm to build a technology, and to do the technology piece required more capital. We had quite a few developers and so forth, and uh, I'll, I'll walk through the learnings from that as well as part of this journey. But we had effectively between two sources with the SBA and a, and a private. Lender, we're able to debt finance 1.8 million dollars that into our 3.4 million dollar business, right? And so, the the prior year we did 3.4 million in revenue as an organization, and we raised this 1.8. And the purpose of the raise was to stand up the technology and to stand up the sales organization within our firm uh, and really get that functioning and going. And so, I moved over to the sales side of the house, focused mostly on that. Our COO, I had handed the reins over to uh, do a lot on the allocation of resources and so forth side of the house and working with our CFO to, to manage that. And I really, you know, quite honestly, thought didn't think much of it. And I, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the distribution of cash and the changes in team members and the increase in team and the increase in salaries and pay and so forth. And all of a sudden, six months into it, the money was gone. And we really didn't have a whole lot to show for it. And I was like, whoa, what just happened? And uh, that's like the start of the story. Greg, do you want to jump in here? Or do you want me to continue through on with what that, with what happened from there?
0: Well, so to spend $1.8 bucks in six months is, I mean, that's crazy. So where did the it money go? <laughs> where did it go? Well,
1: yeah. Whew. You know, um, so... When the big money came in, all of a sudden, we went from two executives to five. Mm. That's a big part of it. Our executive payroll became uh, the next year's, was equal to the next year's total revenue. Mm. Uh, I had taken off the ball of serving our clients. Our client retention went down by almost 50%. Our cost went up by 100%, and my next year was a total reverse of the year prior. Right. And it went in executive salaries. We went from a team of 30 to 50, mm. you know, and we're outsourced, so it wasn't super expensive. Like you might think that's a lot, but you know, we were able to leverage that, but 50 people to manage half that in number of clients were a boutique sort firm, of right? We're managing 25 to 30 clients at any given time. I think we were up to 40 at that point, but still we didn't need 50 people to manage that. Right. And so those are where most of the costs went, a couple of extra developers, couple of extra executives all of a sudden that money's flying out the door.
0: Yep. Okay, so that that helps explain it. Um so tell me kind of what was the the short-term implications and then what did you do to course correct?
1: So as the CFO came over and had a private conversation with me, uh this was all that money was spent between like about March and September. So in September, I had a conversation, a really very candid, you're going to, doors are going to shut here, buddy. Like, <laughs> let's make some changes. Um, and, and he's like, cause he didn't, he wasn't a CFO at the time. He's now my CFO, but he was like a director of finance and he was kind of being directed by the single point of direction of all the capital. Right. Mm-hmm. So we, we, what, the biggest mistake I made is I didn't have um, two roles vetting out the decisions for where money went. I had one person that was able to do it who was maybe not experienced enough to do so. Um, I wasn't paying attention close enough. I was focused on selling deals and trying to get new things in the door. I'd sell new deals and then they'd be leaving you know, shortly thereafter. And so we had this like weird loop happening in the business. And I was like, wait, what? So, so we had a, a retention that we had to fix. And, and that was really a culture issue and it's a different story we can talk about another time but um you know was, there's was one singular very toxic person in my company that i had to get rid of so the the learning that we had to go through greg was that we didn't have good a good process for managing the money we didn't put good controls in place although we did build a budget for it and we did have that plan it was it was um undercut from the sales side because everybody's focus needed to move over to retention. So then sales were down, then retention was down So the double. It was like a double whammy. It was just like this. this, It was like a, you know, what do you call it? One of the drain holes in the water. Everything was getting (laughs) sucked down into this. this,
0: The vortex. Yeah. So
1: yeah, it was was a vortex. Exactly. And so we had a a big team meetup, hard team meetup in in October and uh, said, all right, we need to, we need to cut the fat. Everything's got to change. So uh, that forward six months, we cut $2 million of cost out of the business. We eliminated most executive roles, moved most roles into functional delivery roles with a couple management roles that oversaw, but not senior executives. Uh, we had two senior executives. Uh, I'm sorry, one, myself as the primary senior executive. And then I, and we kept two as part-time fractional and, the rest were then managers and doers, and so we cut two million dollars between that. We also uh, canned the technology build; it was just a drain on profit. Yep. Uh, we focused back on our core services model, um, which saved us about one point one million a year between the developer costs and then all the technology that we were spending money on with AWS and other other you know non people costs. Um, and then we got really lean, so we went from. Here, here's the math. We went from a $3.4 million profit and $1.7 million cost in 21, 22, we flipped it 3.4 million in cost and 1.8 million in profit and revenue. And then this, and then in 23, we're going to end up in around right now we'll do about 3.2 to 3.4 million. And we'll get we a $1.4 million cost. on the year. Yep. So we just totally flipped it around. So, but it was hard. And there's a lot of a lot of people transitioning
0: yeah so well listen i I appreciate you being vulnerable enough to share this story because you know there's people going to be listening to this and they're going to avoid this painful mistake because of your willingness to share i want to highlight two things first if i had a nickel for every time i've heard the story of a services company trying to become a tech company and screwing themselves up in the process i'd be a multi-billionaire so i want to be very clear to members that are listening to this if you're a services firm, yeah. do not try to become a technology firm. Everything is gonna cost twice as much as you think, and it's gonna take yeah. twice as long as you think, and it's not who you are. You're a services firm. So don't do it. Um, and there's a lot of misconceptions out there. You know, People say, well, if I become a SaaS company, you know, the valuation of my firm's gonna go through the roof and I'm gonna make a ton of money. That's actually not true. If you look at exits of founders of services firms, they end up making more wealth than founders of technology companies. And why is that? It's because of capital intensi- intensity. Services firms don't really require any capital. So you don't have to take on debt, in, as in Nate's case. And you don't have to dilute yourself by selling equity to people. You can bootstrap and fund the firm yourself. So upon exit, you own 100% of the firm. If you're trying to become a tech company, upon exit, you got to pay the bank, you gotta pay the equity person and you therefore your net proceeds from the sale is much less. In fact, I wrote a blog article on this. You might take a look at that. I think it's titled Why Services Firms Should Not Try to Become SaaS Companies. But that's a huge mistake that I want everyone to avoid. Um, the second thing yeah. is is that, you know, high powered senior executives that cost a lot of money in services is also not a good idea. I mean, you want everybody to be billable, either in total or partially. So their expense in running the firm, they own the business stuff is covered by revenue that's coming in from clients. So two huge lessons there um, you know, from Nate. So Nate, let me ask you a little bit about the debt. So you raised it from the SBA and you raised it from private lenders. It's all gone. I'm assuming you haven't paid off the debt yet. And you're still on the hook for it. Is that true?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So now I, my, my, now I have to go pay that off. Now, I know. SBA loan, super, super generous. It's a 30 year term. i three yep. percent and you know not paying it back yet but that starts in 24 right around the corner so i'm going to add to my cost of, of, of uh in the business like my my cash flow cost and uh and and it's just that particular um uh, that sits on me right like yeah. I'm, I'm really it's something i have to i'm gonna have to take care of it so now i now remember the tech decision cost me two million dollars at a minimum, probably more like about 2.5 over a three-year period of my profit that's out of my profit yep. that would have otherwise been profit. And now the debt that I use to pay for those people, I've got to pay back on top of that. Yep. So, I mean, that's a really heavy cost. And Greg saved me this, like this is the direction we went this way because Greg and I had a very candid conversation. He just wrote the article that week when we had this conversation mm-hmm. on the tech Of things, and it was a hard decision because it's like you've grown a baby for three years. You kind of want to see it through, but the end of that path was death. So I said, let's let's stop this now. And you know, lesson learned. Hopefully, you all can hear this because I I really resonated with Greg's story. And now, and I'm we're a super profitable company. Like we're a very (laughs) healthy company, but I decided to be stupid and follow these these shiny objects, which you know can be part of our founders' problem occasionally. So, uh, you know, lessons learned and uh, yeah, I'll be paying off, you know, $1.8 million of debt over the next, well, it's a little less now, but over the next many years.
0: Yeah. You know, the one good thing about your story, Nate, the mistake that you didn't make is you didn't sell any equity. Um, That would have been a real kick in the teeth because equity you can't get rid of. I mean, you can pay off the debt. You know, it, it sucks that you have to do that, but you can pay it off and get back to zero and then grow again from there. If you had taken on an equity partner, now you got somebody who owns twenty, thirty, forty, God forbid, fifty percent of your firm, and you can't get rid of them. So thank goodness that uh, that you didn't do that, and that's another lesson. So Nate, lastly, you know, if you would kind of summarize, maybe you know, for those listening, any other words of wisdom or advice that you would share with people that we haven't discussed today regarding this issue?
1: <laughs> Read the boutique and uh, follow the instructions. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if I had read, read it and, and had some of the insights prior, um, that would have saved me millions of dollars. Yeah, Right? And, and, uh, and it did, it still, even though I only did it halfway through, it still did save me, uh, possibly my company, actually. Yeah. You know, um, I would I'd say definitely take the words of wisdom. Greg's been a great resource for me and, and, and as an advisor uh, and from an experiential level but also the community. I mean, I'm very involved in the community. I talk with members. I learn from members all the time. The, the board, board program, we, we have, we have great value contribution to each other and insight. Um, but I would actually say like my biggest takeaway of all of this is before you start giving away executive seats or partner seats in your firm, and then there's the equity part of that. Cause I did have, Greg, I did give, I bought it all back. I was able to retrieve all my equity back, but I almost lost 34% of my company Wow! in the process of all of that. And um, and I would say that to, to, to have controls in place. So like for me, the biggest thing was, if, if I had a proper reporting mechanism that I could see weekly of what the money was going toward, I could have stopped it, but I didn't. And I trusted really core people more than I should have trusted them and they abused uh, money that they'd never seen before, right? Yeah. So it wasn't their money. It was easy to go yeah. increase everybody's pay by five or ten grand and then I mean, <clears throat> we had a board session uh, with, with the C-54 board and in that session um, the, the context of executive pay norms came up and I was like, what is, what is normal for everybody? Well, I got quoted from two different people in my company that I had trusted that this was normal pay for people. And when we heard this, the numbers on the board, they're like, no, it's like way down here. Mm. They were quoting me like billion dollar corporate normal pay yeah. structures <laughs> as our normal pay structure as a startup boutique. I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God, yeah. I'm paying way too much for all these different roles. And when it just, it just didn't, the math didn't work. Right. Yeah. So I would just say, make sure your controls are in place, trust, but verify, especially with executive teams, have double points of control to, to, to check against each other, uh, especially when it comes down to the money part of things. And those are my big takeaways, and don't do tech. Like if you're gonna do tech, then have a separate entity go raise money for that yeah, separately, exactly. just leave your services business as yeah. its own cash cow.
0: So, awesome.
1: Uh, hopefully that's helpful,
0: Greg. <laughs> yeah, super helpful, man. All right, I got three calls to action, one for members, one for candidates for membership, and one for a tire kicker. So members, look for the meeting invite. We're going to have a private one-hour Q&A session with Nate. I'm sure all of you got a 1,000 questions because you either have made this mistake, which I have myself in the past, that's why I can speak so authoritatively on this, or you might be getting ready to do some of these things, and speaking to Nate will be really important, so eyes open for that. Uh, Candidates for membership, if you want to become a member, go to collective54.com, fill out an application, the membership review committee will look at it and get back to you. And if you're not ready for either one of those two things and just want to learn more, go to Amazon, buy the book called The Boutique, How to Start, Scale and Sell, a professional services firm uh, written by yours truly. But, Nate, on behalf of the community, every time you make a deposit into the collective body of knowledge, it, it's dead on. So thanks a bunch, man. I really appreciate it.
1: For sure, Greg. I appreciate you. The community is great. And for anybody that might be considering joining join. it's worth its weight in gold.
0: Thanks for saying that.
1: That's all I can say.
0: Okay, take care, buddy.